Hello, everyone. Happy Wednesday. Happy Wednesday. We are live on YouTube, on Instagram, and Facebook today. And today we're going to be taking lots of Q and A's. So yes. come prepared with your questions. Yes. Today, lots of questions, lots of answers. Uh, less just us talking, but we will talk a little bit. And the subject is going to be how to find good deals and not necessarily just that, but also how to analyze it. So we'll talk about a few quick uh, key indicators on how to do that. Yes, we'll talk about the 1% rule and our personal little twist on that and how you may want to apply that as well. Yeah, so let's dive in and then uh, we'll get, we'll say what we have to say and then we'll go to the questions. Yes, and if you have questions now, start, yes. start asking below. All right, so let's get started. So analyzing deals, what are the tools that we use to quickly analyze them? Let's start off with the 1% rule. You may have heard of it or maybe not. We're not the one that invented this. This is a rule um, that many real estate investors use. Now, how do you use a 1% rule? Well, what you want to do, let's say, for example, you purchase a property or you're looking at a property that's worth $500,000. Let's use easy numbers. You want to times that by 1%. That means that the rent coming in should be at least $5,000. Yes. And our twist on that, and this will have a few variables, but our twist on the 1% rule is you can also dial it back just a little. So we like doing the 0.75% uh, rule. So in Mel's scenario of a $500,000 purchase, um, if you look at the property, 0.75% of the monthly rent needs to be at least, in this scenario, uh, what is it, 3750 or 3725 um, Now that being said, here come the couple of variables that you need to make sure. If it's below the 0.75%, it might be too far gone. Uh, the, the ratios might be too far off for the institutions to approve it, and it might not make enough money for you as well. But when you're looking at it, if you see, and, and, and there's two things you need to look at, is, is the building at its ceiling. And what I mean by that is, is the building at its maximum that it'll get appraised at? Uh, number one, right? You look at different comparables. And number two, most important is where are the rents at? If the rents are already at uh, market value or as high as they can go and the building still only gives you 1% or even worse, 0.75% of the purchase price, walk away. But, and this, this is what we do. So you yes. can choose to do whatever you want. But but if there's so, if, if sorry, if all rents are you know somewhat low can be increased and they're not at their ceiling and the building is still at 0.75 or one percent now you found a true gem because you'll be able to increase those rents which will obviously increase the uh the valuation of the building yes so when do we use the one percent or when do we use the 75 percent we use both all the time so we'll quickly analyze the deals we'll see where it's at and then we look at that potential that Dave is referring to, right? Where's rents at? Do we have that potential of having that lift? We love finding underperforming properties. That's our specialty. And that's a really quick way that we're able to find them. Yeah. So think about this. You're analyzing a deal. Very quick math. You look at it and you have to know the market. Look at it. What's the, uh, what, what is the 1% rule? Does it, ma does it match there? Does it, if it's higher, even better. But if it's lower, you know, does it meet that 0.75% threshold? 
And if it does, okay, now look directly at the rents. Are the rents all underperforming or at the ceiling? And then you'll be able to make a very quick decision whether or not you're going to dive into this deal and analyze further. Exactly. That's just a starting point. Yeah. Of course, you're going to want to verify all the numbers. And that includes getting the numbers as well from the buyer, right? So where's Hydro? You're not going to want to just you know, assume that the information is correct. You're going to want to verify that information as well. So that touches on that rule. The other one or the next one we'll chat about is capitalization rates, cap rates. And people go, uh, I wouldn't say, they, they put their blinders on. They just see the cap rate. If it's a high cap rate, they get excited. Uh, and usually higher cap rate means better, right? Because it, it, it's, a, it's a whole calculation, but higher, higher the cap rate, better the deal. But they're not always calculated the same. And that's the thing that you want to be careful of. Everyone seems to calculate them differently, including perhaps the seller, including perhaps different agents. So you want to make sure what we like to calculate it. We want to make sure to get the full picture. And, and what Mel means by this is because we get deals all the time. And some people will say, you know, I've got a deal. It's a 10 cap rate. And I'm like, oh, wow. OK, I want to look at that deal. And immediately upon looking at the expenses, I see that there's three key um, expenses that are not there that in reality the financial institutions will look at and you as an investor should look at so truly they should be in your calculations and the three are i'll try to remember off the top of my head uh, the first one is maintenance so maintenance and repairs if that's not in there i i don't you know it doesn't matter if you have a brand new building turnkey, the banks are going to add some sort of maintenance and repair into the calculations. Yes. Property management. Now, even if you're planning, if you're thinking, Mel, it doesn't matter, I'm going to do my own property management, you should still calculate it because guess what? This financial institutions are going to take this into consideration regardless. And bigger picture, if you're looking to grow your portfolio, at some point you'll either have to hire people to help you with it or outsource this as well. So this should definitely be part of your calculations because you want to set yourself up for long-term success. And you know what, to add on to Mel's point, Mel and I had about uh, 18 or 20 buildings and 80 something units before we actually uh, hired someone to help us with our property management. And it was in-house, we, we hired them um, and we created our own property management company. But even during that time, even during that journey of us self-managing, the bank still, under uh, wrote the deal as if we had property management in place because hey if we uh if we fall off the earth today the buildings are going to need to get managed and they need to look at that for underwriting so keep that in mind right even if you're going to self-manage the last one is vacancy and i want to elaborate on that because we i used to think the same thing and, and the financial institutions helped um, I guess, open our minds to it. Yes, absolutely. Because vacancy, you might be thinking in my city, you know, it's always very low or I don't have vacancy. And that might be the case. But you also want to consider what if a tenant is in your property, and this is even worse, um, but they're not paying rent for a couple of months. So that should be part of that vacancy um, calculation that you use. Yeah, absolutely. And what I want you to think is, I'm trying to think what we call it. It's kind of like a sunk cost, but there's another word we usually utilize for a tenant in the unit and not paying. So it's not vacancy, but you can also not utilize the unit, right? Because they're not paying A, which hurts the uh, the income of the building, and B, they're probably you know doing wear and tear and damage. So that's why, again, you have that repairs and maintenance, like the first one we chatted about. Exactly. So make sure to uh, take all those factors into consideration so that way when you're analyzing the deal you're really getting the true picture whether again you 
think that you're going to manage it yourself or not, or whether you think vacancy is, is 1% in your city. Uh, but that might be the case. However, it does happen that tenants don't pay rent. What are you going to do with that? You always want to make sure to have your numbers reflect accordingly. So those are two quick tips that we wanted to chat about today. Now, how do you utilize them? Whenever you're looking at deals, if you're getting, you know, if you're set up to, to receive deals from realtors, or if you're looking at private off-market, this is a true way to save yourself time, save yourself some headaches, and skim through a lot of deals very quickly and efficiently. Yes, the more deals you look at, the better. And that's how we're able to analyze so many deals. So those are our two quick tips for today. If you put that in your arsenal, you're going to save yourself a lot of time. Just another tool in the toolbox. Yes, and now it's time for a little yes. bit of Q&A. Q&A. So don't be afraid. Put your questions up. We're going to answer. So Joe here, does this apply to multifamily properties as well? Absolutely. So whether you're looking at condos, multifamily properties, or single dwellings, you always want to make sure to calculate these expenses as part of that. Yeah, and, and we get this question a lot. So I'm glad. Who was it again? Sorry, Joel. Joe. Joe. Yes. So Joe, look at it this way and everyone listening, look at it this way. Because people will ask, Dave, is that the same for student rentals? Is that the same for if I rent out a house? Is that the same for multifamily? Is it the same for, uh, a sing, uh, did I say singular, condos? Yes. And look at it at this. It doesn't matter what the vehicle is uh, of income property that you're looking at. If it has income and it has expenses and you're renting it out, treat it all the same, okay? So don't let that be a barrier. Don't let that limit to, well, this doesn't work for student rental. Yes, it does. Okay, so have that as your mindset when you're looking at these things. If it's an income property, however many doors there are, however many people rent or, or that type of different things, if there's income and expenses and someone's renting it, you can apply these strategies and uh, tactics to save yourself some time. Good point, Dave. But we do get that a lot. Yes. And that one, I just want to, I just want to get it out there. Don't think of, don't limit yourself. All income properties can can be looked at that way. So TJ Tattoo Realtor, who's always following us, love it. Yes. Uh, sniff them deals out. <laughs> yes, and it's so true, and I love that comment, right? Uh, how do we, how do we continue to grow our portfolios? Because we're always looking at lots and lots and lots of deals and finding the best yes. ones. So you're bang on, TJ, with that. You want to look at the deals, find them. Um, if you're all about OPM, other people's money, like Dave and I are, finding underperforming ones helps us ensure. Of course, we do our due diligence that we can pay back the private lenders, right? As we as we offer to refer to the exit strategy. Yeah, and, and I'm glad uh, I'm glad he said that because that's truly what it is. As an investor, and I remember when I started out. I, and again, keep the questions coming, guys. I see Raphael writing a bunch with, with quickly. So um, I remember when I was starting out, and I thought, okay, so naive, looking back, whatever ten plus years it was, um, I remember thinking that. They had to be uh, pre-screened. I thought that an income property would have to be pre-screened, would have to be legal, would have to be zoned properly, would have to have a certain amount of income uh, to support the purchase price. So I thought anything that was on, you know, uh, realtor.ca, realtor.com, Zillow, LoopNet, wherever else that they list properties, I thought, oh, that has to meet a certain criteria to even be able to be listed. So I remember looking at buildings thinking, well, this must be good. Like, this must make sense because it had to be vetted before it went on the system. And incorrect, right? I could list this building tomorrow for $20 million. Doesn't mean I'm going to get it. Doesn't mean anything. Anyone can put something on the system and ask the price they want. And again, give me, give me some grain of salt here. But 
I used to think that, and that was very naive of me. So understand how to sniff out them deals. Like TJ, uh, is it DJ or TJ? TJ. TJ Tattooed Realtor says. Okay, Pierre, or Pierre, depending if you're French. With the price of gold, uh, how are you... How are you seeing? Seeing? I said selling. I was like, I'm not selling. I, I buy. <laughs> buy and hold. <laughs> okay. With the price of gold, how are you seeing properties in mining towns in northern Ontario? Great question. Uh, and this is something we actually had one of our, our mentorship groups uh, question the other day. And I always, because mining is cyclical, right? Everything has, and miners will be the first to tell you, yes, it's cyclical. So if you're going to be buying in those markets that depend heavily on one industry, I would just say this. Good. I would just look at this, okay? So know that it's cyclical. Know that mining will go up and down. I'm trying to think of the other ones. Uh, oil, like commodities up and down. It's always a cycle. I think it's, don't quote me on this. I'm not a, not a, I don't know, it was in five years. Again, don't quote me on that. I'm not a commodities guy. I buy multifamily dwellings. Um, but yes, I have looked at some in the past and I've been very interested knowing that uh, there's going to be some mining or some, some type of uh, secondary industry. Like there's a lot of gas going on, natural gas out in BC, Northern BC, like all these things, right? In these towns, will get a boost. But just know that once they leave, or once the cycle goes down, the market will also go down. So if you're looking, just keep in mind, what's your gameplay? Are you a flipper? Are you looking to buy it and sell it in a year? Hey, the market will probably be up. Maybe that's a good play. I don't know, it's on you. If you're looking to hold it for 25 years, might be okay because you're gonna go through a few cycles. Uh, if you're using owner financing, just know that. You don't wanna be on the down cycle when it's time to pay the investor back. So there's no right or wrong reason there, or answer I mean, it's just, understanding the cycle where do you fit in there what is your game plan and like we what do we always say mel what do you do before you enter you exit exit before you enter so where do you want to end up are you using your own money that you need to pull do you want to are you borrowing somebody's money that you'll need to pay back within a year or five years and and adjust accordingly we we buy and hold uh but we always use opm we always ensure to have our clear exit strategy before ever ever uh, yeah. proceeding. And you know what? I was looking at a deal. You, you just refreshed my memory. I'm going to go look back at it. <laughs> it was like 20 or 30 units or something. Anyway. There you go. Awesome. Dave M underscore 87. What is the most effective way to find a deal? MLS or wholesale? All of the above. Any deal you want to look at lots and lots of deals. The more deals you look at. So don't go in one category. Only look at on MLS. Look at wholesale. Look at off-market market deals. So the more deals you look at the better. And you want to make sure as well, if you haven't already um, on our YouTube channel, whether you're on Facebook or Instagram or you're on YouTube right now, make sure to subscribe to our brand new ch channel. We just released our first video um, last week. So make sure to go check it out, kiss out, turn on your notifications. So subscribe to our channel, give us a thumbs up because we're going to be releasing at least one yes. video weekly. And Mel, what day? It's every, it's every Thursday. Every At Thursday. We have to talk to you. Um, we're doing behind the scenes <laughs> stuff. You don't see, I have secrets for you too. Uh, we might be releasing a little bit more than that, but I gotta, I'll tell them when we're offline what uh, the plan is with our marketing director. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. And this question seems kind of the same. It's uh, how do you find deals are using MLS? Gracia, so yes. Gracia. Yes, Gracia. So yes, basically yes, absolutely. MLS is a great tool, yeah. but don't let that be your only no, tool. No, like don't when, limit yourself. No, when Dave and I found twelve properties in less than twelve months, um, yes, of course. 
we used MLS as, as a tool, but that was certainly not the only way that we found all these deals. Some of them were on MLS, many of them were not listed. So making sure to, to, to always be working on getting lots and lots of deals. And then when you're able to calculate them quickly, that's how you're able to, to find the, the great ones. And keep in mind, I like giving this example, the building we're in, completely owner financed, we use someone's RSPs as the down payment. This building was on MLS for about nine months. Okay, we looked at it initially, didn't make sense. We looked at it again a second time, utilizing the 1% rule and cap rates and all the things that we talked about initially in, in, in this, uh, in this uh, sitting. That's what helped us find this building. It was on the system for nine months. How many other realtors, how many other investors went through, but they didn't know how to analyze the deal. So like, like we said earlier, you gotta be able to sniff them out. Yes, and to kind of add to that, then of course, we were using OPM uh, for this deal. So then of course we had to ensure that we had our exit strategy, right? So we, that was step one, but that's not good enough to know the whole entire picture. That's just had a quick lens. Um, so then we put it in our cash flow matrix, which shows us, you know, how the deal is performing today. It shows us if we have a clear exit strategy or not, we were able to see a very clear exit and that's when we decide to buy it. So let's take so, another yeah, one or two, two more questions because then we're off to go see our uh, kids at the splash pads. Kids before we go live with our mentoring program, uh, Action Family in at, uh, at one. Yes. Okay. So what is MLS? It is a multiple listing system, something like that. Multiple listing. It just means that that's where the deals are. So realtor.ca, realtor.com is the MLS. Yes. Um, and it's free to use. It is free. Okay. Uh, Idiot Miss Sunshine. Sunshine. Hello, hello. Why need to figure out what I need to figure out? Uh, how do you figure out your exit strategy? Yes, and that's a great question. And I know that you've been messaging us. Uh, she's going to be joining our Action Family oh, cool. mentoring program uh, very soon, which is amazing. And honestly, it's it's a it's it's a long it's complex. Uh, it's complex. So um, something that it's uh, complex when you don't understand all the different facets, right? Yes. Um, so we're going to be showing as soon as you join, you'll see there's a whole section that shows you how to ensure that you have a very clear exit strategy. That's what we specialize in. Yes. So I know you're joining within the next couple of weeks. So awesome. don't worry, it's all covered. And the most important part, it's complicated when you don't get it. But once you understand and with our cash flow analysis matrix, it's built in. It shows you what the deal is doing today. So whether you should buy it or not initially, and then the cash or sorry, the exit strategy is built in. And if it doesn't make sense, Sense. And again, there's checks and balances. If it does not make sense and you cannot exit the deal, it's going to show you and then you're just going to move on to the next one. So that's what I love about it is it shows you whether or not your exit is there and whether or not you should buy the building initially. Yeah. And great point, because that 1% rule or even the 75% rule is a tool, but it's not the entire picture. No, it's right? just so, the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. Awesome. So thank you so much, everyone, yeah, for coming awesome. live with us today. We're going to be doing it again. So make sure to uh, turn on your notifications if you're on Instagram, YouTube, YouTube subscribe, Facebook, and Facebook as well. Every Wednesday at yes. 1 p.m. Eastern time, come uh, chat with us and bring your questions and we'll try and answer as many as we can. Awesome. Thank you so much, everyone. Bye for now. Bye for now.